Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Because this is a bit of an ABBA moment. We love ABBA. On the Liz Jones and Nicola Bebb podcast. Because I wanted to talk for a change, not about being award-winning, but being a failure. And it's a really funny story. I was sent to Sweden by the Mail on Sunday to review the new ABBA restaurant because you know they're on tour again, they've got a new album. I remember that, I do remember that. But it wasn't a Swedish restaurant, it was a Greek restaurant because it was all based around Mamma Mia, so I had to do the dancing and they tried giving that awful drink and I didn't like that. Is so? So, right, okay, Liz, we want you to go and review the new ABBA restaurant in Sweden. Fine, I'm hungry, I'll go. Thank you, I'm off. It's a free meal, go for it. But when I get there and this car picks me up... And the, the driver and the PR in the car, and they pick me up from the airport and it's snowing and everything, and I'm obviously wearing flip-flops. And they say, right, we're taking you now to interview Abba. But no one told me I was going to interview <laughs> Abba. I just thought I was going to get a free meal. <laughs> I love Abba. So I turn up at this room, and there is a man in the room with lots of hair and a piano, and I didn't know, because I only concentrated on Agnetha and the one with the dark hair. I only concentrated on the girls. I wanted Agnetha's blue eyeshadow. I never paid any attention to the men. They were just blobs. Right. Okay, it's not like you. No, but they weren't attractive, were they? <laughs> oh, well, that's it then. They weren't David Cassidy. No, most of the men you fancy, I've got to be honest. <laughs> the film Star Wars. Oh. Yes, actually, yes. So I'm in this room with this man, and ostensibly he was a founding member of and I tried to whisper to the PR that no one prepared me and no one told me I was doing an interview. And I tried to say to her, which one is he? And he heard me. He obviously <laughs> got ears like a bat. And he said, I'll give you a clue. My name begins with a B. But they're both Bs, aren't they? So I had to do an entire recorded interview that with the member of ABBA and I had no idea which one he was. And then I said, were you married to Agnetha? And he said, yes. So that was a clue. And I think he had a T-shirt made of the next question, and it will go down in history. I said, are you still bitter? (laughs) (laughs) Are you still bitter about Agnetha? So that didn't go. That went down like a lip balloon. Are you still bitter? Man in ABBA, who I don't know who you are. And I was 
when I watch Notting Hill with Hugh Grant, you love Hugh Grant. I love Hugh Grant. I love him. I and love he him. turns up at the Ritz unexpectedly to interview Julia Roberts, the movie star. And he said, oh, I'm from Horse and Hound. And he says to Julia Roberts, are there going to be any horses in your next film? And she said, no, it's set on a submarine. So that was my Hugh Grant interviewing a celebrity moment when I said to one of the members of ABBA, and I still don't know which one he was, still bitter? I love the fact that you don't know who he is because you're always saying to me, everyone knows that. You don't know anything. It's like you're a fetus, but, but they you were don't too know similar, who weren't they? They were too similar. I'm sorry, it's ABBA. It's ABBA. They were What's two Swedish blokes. No, sorry, I didn't know which one was sorry, which. Sorry, are you a fetus? I'm just <laughs> Are you? Are you a fetus? <laughs> but a better interview is very topical at the moment because we've all been looking at Will Young, haven't we? Chained to the railings Go outside. Will Young. Go Will Young. In his little hat and his glasses, he's chained to the railings outside the Beagle testing place in Cambridge. And he brought that protest so much attention. He did. He's done a fantastic job. So my archive is going to be very early on in the podcast this week. So we've had the dreadful archive. I think the heading was still bitter. And this archive is from 2006. And I interviewed Will Young before he changed himself to the Beagle thing. So I was actually way ahead of the curve. And he's the new regular slot on the podcast. It's called Man of the Week. So this is another new regular slot that we do for one week, yeah? Is yeah, that... but that's funny. Okay. <laughs> so Man of the Week is Will Young. And this, I, I, I learned a new word this morning. I read a column in the Times by David Aronovich and he used the word misandry. And misandry means you're man-hating. And there's been a few columns by women over the past few days saying that misandry is ripe and there's no nice male heroes and all men are awful. So instead of being all misandry-ish... Is, is that a just, word? I don't know. Do you, when you get a new word, I love new words, do you then make Siri say it to you so you know you're pronouncing well, it Well, I, I learnt Chippy, didn't I? I keep saying Chippy. No, we need to unlearn Chippy. So this week, we're going to have Man of the Week to counterbalance all the misandry. And it's my interview with Will Young from 2006. And I kind of remember... That I didn't like him that much. I don't think he liked me. I was very stressed because I was going to pick my husband up from the airport and I got wind of all the sex he'd been having. And he was a bit chippy, actually. No, he's not chippy. He's real young, attached to a beagle testing unit. But when I read the piece, I'm sort of wondering why I wasn't award-winning earlier. Because you were building up to award-winning. I thought we weren't doing award-winning this time. So... In the article, he says he loves Robbie Williams. He tells me he adores Madonna and would like to be her friend. I tell Will Young he's a cliché, liking Madonna, liking Robbie Williams. And I even saw Will Young in the audience for Kathleen Turner's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf the other day. Well, that's a cliché, isn't it, going to the theatre? And he was standing in line for a Loseley ice cream behind Joan Collins. I bloody love Joan and Collins. When I tell him that story, he laughed that I saw him queuing for an ice cream. Oh, I love her. And then I also tell Will Young that George Michael, my friend, 
<laughs> I wish he was still alive. I could still have a famous Your friend. friend. I love Doesn't him. like him very much. And he laughs. And I say at the end of the piece, I actually did yeah, I actually did quite like him. It's a very good interview. It's very funny. Will Young is a very nice, ordinary, talented young man with eyes as green as a cat's. Oh, no, he says. I'm a dog person. And oh. it took nearly 20 years for that to come to fruition, didn't it? But at least he puts, like, his, his money where his mouth is. He's a dog person and he's using his fame, he's using his name. Yes, but you read he was a dog person in my piece in We heard it from you first because you're so award-winning. So that was an exclusive. It was, and you was award-winning because you got to it first 20 years but ago. But it's a very funny piece that I tell this megastar. I saw him in the queue for the ice cream behind Joan Collins. <laughs> I used to hate going to the theatre before I had hearing aids because I couldn't hear what anyone said. I had to guess. Yeah, good to go with like Shakespeare or something and you know the words. Yeah, but you don't know all of them, do you? Although I do know most of them. the soliloquies from Romeo and Juliet because that was my audition speech for Rada. Oh, I know the ones for Hamlet because we did, we did it for English A-Level. So how's your week been? You've got a beagles of your own, haven't you, that aren't being experimented on? I've got my on. own beagle. And I honestly, when I was reading about, you know, Will Young going and testing, I was literally cuddling Boris, who was on my lap. Don't show him that. With a cat on top of him. Don't show him the pictures of Will Young. And I thought, you know what? He's no. I thought he's so good-natured. You can see why they abuse these dogs, because they're so trusting and good-natured. And I literally, I was weeping. If you try to experiment on a collie, they'd take your head off. No, exactly. No one's going to experiment on a collie. No one. But... 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 You're taking the mick now, ain't you? But... Ain't you? You're taking the mick now, though. She babysat Boris last night. We're increasing... He's got separation anxiety. We're increasing the time that I'm away from him. So Liz was talking to him in Nicholas speak, weren't you? Yeah, I was saying Boris. But... In it. In it. And not my fault, though. <laughs> exactly, though. And he thought his mummy was there. <laughs> and it worked, because we, we got a record amount of time He said, Mummy, you're me. a shadow of your former self. What's <laughs> happened? I said to Liz the other day, Oh, I'm just like your mini, not so mini me. <laughs> Nick does take after me, actually, now. She sits at her computer without going to the loo. Yeah, I'm bouncing on while I'm writing on the keyboard and thinking, Oh, God, I need the loo. You sent me a thing, didn't you, as well, the other day, as, as your mini, not so mini me, which is about the Christmas party that... She said, oh, we can go here for dinner. And she sent me a picture of this lovely restaurant and stuff, which was obviously very, very exclusive. And it's I'm... a Michelin-starred vegan restaurant in Soho. And what was my comment? There's a lot of plate in that photograph. There's a lot of plate around that food. <laughs> yeah, we're not going there. We're just not <laughs> going there. But this week, both Boris and I have had readings, because I was a bit jealous. You had a tarot reading. Didn't you, a couple of weeks ago, and I was a bit jealous. But I don't think it was a very good tarot reading, was it? What did it say? It said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have money, but you won't be rich in your own eyes. Well, can you ever have enough? A pound would be can nice. Can you be too thin or too rich is the saying, isn't it? Well, I, I loved my tarot reading. I had a reading from Fiongo. Does, does she say you're going to get up earlier? Shut up. <laughs> and it's the wellnessfoundry.co.uk. Fiongo is lovely. The first thing, normally when you have tarot readings, they can be a little bit mystical. I mean, I read tarot myself, but it can be a little bit vague and a little bit picking this up and picking that up. And he was just incredible. He 
zoned straight in on a lot of issues that I've been chatting about, like with my friends and you don't things. Have any friends. I've got Tina. I've got Tina. <laughs> I've got Tina. I'm plural in Tina because she's so omnipotent. And he's lovely. He's down to earth. And we connected and we just laughed. And he went straight into pulling out these issues that, that I've genuinely been talking about and saying, you know, things like... Why I'm always late. No, not why I'm always late. <laughs> things like I, when I was much younger and before I was going to go to university and I couldn't, I had a lot of ambition, there was things I wanted to do and I've been talking about that lately, that I never achieved what I wanted to and I sort of felt like I'd lost my way a bit. He went straight into that and he was incredibly specific and I won't bore everybody with what my reading said but he, he really focused on very specifically on things that I've been talking about as issues for me now. And then he came back with really practical, helpful suggestions of how to move forward and what I could do about it. So one big thing that came up was learn to say no. He said that I'm incredibly stretched. No. But I don't. Things like... I say, um, Nick, can you come up earlier and do the horses? You just say no. You turn up at four o'clock in the afternoon. No, be, I always have a very good reason. But things oh, like... Oh, my car exploded. The dog exploded. Probably be good if it did explode because it's on its last legs. But things about saying no to, to a lot of the things I'm doing. And his advice was, because I've been feeling very overwhelmed, his advice was, if you don't need to do it at the moment, don't do it. Pull back. Focus on what your priorities are and what you need to do. So an awful lot of time at the moment I'm spending on charity stuff. And at the moment I've got I've got Boris. Yeah, but you told me to yesterday I'm going to limit the charity stuff yeah. and only do one thing a year or whatever. And then you said I'm going to spend less time on Twitter. And then last night you must have sent four million tweets. I'd update on Boris quite a lot on Twitter because otherwise I get a lot of people messaging me and asking no, about Boris about and Boris. stuff. Or I share things about rescues and, and appeals and things. But I do need to pull back and concentrate on stuff that I've got going on at the moment. So I'm I'm like a really big fan. If he was on a dating app... Was he a freebie? He was a freebie. He was a freebie. But if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have been enthusiastic about it, I wouldn't have talked about it on the podcast. If he was on a dating app, I'd be thrilled because he's intelligent, he's funny, he's helpful... He's, he's just amazing. He's absolutely amazing. Boris also had a reading. From with the same man? No, no. He, I, that was with um, Holly Davis at Centre of Therapies. And I've used Holly for readings for years. And she is absolutely amazing. I felt I could, I could really do with some help with Boris because he's anxious. He's got a new place. I found out he's had, you know, a lot of foster homes, three foster homes and four times in kennels since May. So the, the poor little guy is really sort of a bit confused I've and, and upset. You have had lots of homes. Not um, by choice. And Holly is amazing. And what she came up with the night before my reading, I'd videoed and I sent it to you and I put it on Twitter. I videoed Boris, like, pulling his blanket over him and stuff. And she kept going on about his blanket. And I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely right. He pulls well, his blanket over the video. No, she doesn't. She's not on Twitter. He's pulling... And, she, and it was, she was absolutely right. He likes to be covered up with his blanket. But she's given me some really helpful advice <laughs> about... Barking. Barking. About things that could really help him. And... So girls, give me one solid piece of advice. She suggested... Um, 
therapist, um, homeopathy, that actually I've given him and it, it seems to be helping. She suggested doing a video of me walking around talking and putting that on the telly, which is helping. You're She's, on the telly? I'm, I've put myself on the telly for Boris. I have one person that wants to see me on the telly. So she, she's been incredibly helpful as well. So I feel this week, Boris and I have got a plan for going forward and we're in a better place for it. Thank God. I'm all positive and optimistic. Do you want to hear about this week's column? Go on. I'm, I'm sort of really, nervous. It's the focus of the podcast, really, isn't it? Not this week, no. I'm this week's column. Very, very nervous about this week's column. So I'm, I'm going to listen with half an ear. Well, the heading, because the podcast producer always asks me what the heading is, even though it's on the document, in which I learn to lighten up a little. But it should have been in which I have all the sex. See, I knew I was listening with one ear for one reason. Go on, sort of. So that should have a new heading. I'm going to cross that out. In which I have all the sex. <laughs> but I sometimes think women have sex in order to say, if we're ever asked when we last did it, and someone might ask me, oh, it was last Tuesday. Do people ask that? Well, they might. Why? And not, as in my case before last Tuesday, oh, about two years ago. Be fair, though. But it I sometimes matter, think it? women go out with men and have sex just so they can say, I've been out with men or I've just had sex. Yeah, but bad rather sex. Rather than actually doing it for its own sake. Do you see what I mean? Be yeah, quiet. But if you're doing it for your own sake, you'd order a bowl of chips and a trifle. Not if you're on a wild fit diet. Not if you're on a wild fit diet. You would. Sweet potato chips. And then there was a technical question after that paragraph. Does it count if neither of you has an orgasm? Oh, my ears. Oh, my ears. Oh. He was a bit tired. I was annoyed. Do you know why I was annoyed? Even though I was about to have sex for the first time in two years and I was waxed. Because he turned up? No. Oh. He made a mess in the little annex of my room at the hotel by making himself a G&T and using his spectacles to find the little serrated life to cut the lemon. That made a mess. He made a, a smear with the lemon. And I thought, well, Daniel Craig would never do that. I'm sorry. If you call someone in for a booty call, I'm sorry. You don't go off to the mini bar. You throw the door open. You throw well, the no, woman up against the wall. you're just saying what I've just said. I said Daniel Craig would never do that. In a scene in a bomb field, would Daniel Craig turn up at the hotel... Put his glasses on and look for the knife for the lemon. He would no, he'd throw it. you against the yeah, wall. Exactly, and, you yeah, exactly. But that's why I think oh. that women have this fantasy of sex, expecting it to be like James Bond, when actually it never is like that. Well, I think maybe you're picking the wrong men. And so I had my cashmere top on, and he said, Why are you wearing thermals? And I said, Well, I wanted you to take it off for me. And he responded saying, I wouldn't dare you say I stretch the neck. But you see, James Bond would never say that. See, this is the familiarity thing. You're better off with a one night stand. You are, but be- don't dig up exes. Just go and have a one night stand. They'd never say that about your cashmere top. I made all the right shapes and noises, but I wondered, not for the first time, this is like a Sex and City column, isn't it? How much of a passion in bed is real and how much is what we think we should be doing, having gleaned tips from films? <laughs> I once tried to recreate the bath scene from The English Patient, but I got soap in my eye and sat on the plug. Yeah. 
No, it never works. It never works. It doesn't. I kept wondering what he was thinking. All I was thinking was, I hope he doesn't ask me to do that. <laughs> OK, and we've all just zoned out now. <laughs> but the thing is, this is the why I've lightened up a little bit. Because we're not in a relationship, he didn't really get on my nerves in the way he usually does. I didn't care that he hadn't trimmed his eyebrows and that he's been cutting his own hair. In a relationship, I'd have said, why can't you look more like Marcus Waring? Ooh. He's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, no. And very helpful in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, actually, he can cook, yeah. We had breakfast the next day. As usual, he complained about the toast. He said it was floppy and pale. I thought for a second he was describing himself. Oh, no. <laughs> but not being in a relationship, not planning how we will be at Christmas, say, or on holiday, or for the rest of my life, I didn't care. I just let it wash over me. It was like having lunch with my girlfriend, who's so COVID-phobic. You know her. I know She her. is a friend. <laughs> I know her. She refuses to eat indoors, and she won't even eat under canvas. She always emails ahead to ask for vegan nut roast, and just as the waitress is bringing the steaming plates to our rain-sodden table, she says, does it contain any walnuts? Oh, dear. But because she's only my friend and I don't live with her and I'm not married to her, I don't care. I just think it's quite eccentric and funny. But that's the same thing. And if you're not in a relationship with a man, you don't care. They're floppy and pale. Well, yeah, I, I, if you're summoned in for sex, you do care if they're floppy and pale. You do. You should. But I do wonder if women do it because they think they're supposed to to be a normal functioning adult with a well-rounded life, you're supposed to have sex. But is that particularly true? Well, no, I don't think it is. No. When did you last have sex? See, people do ask it. That's just not an appropriate question. My mother listens to this podcast. <laughs> See, but I think women do ask it. And they, like, that... they like to say last Tuesday. No. No, they'd like to say ten minutes ago he couldn't resist me as I was walking out the door. I'm traumatised. That's award-winning, that column. It's, I'm traumatised. No, it's traumatising. I need therapy after that. Remember, Nicola and I have these folders on our computers that say <laughs> awards. And whenever something's good, we put it in there, don't we? We do. We have a little folder ready for when we come up for the Oscars for the podcast. <laughs> And we have a little folder and we slip things in where we think we've been particularly funny or entertaining. You might not think that, but we do. <laughs> you can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Well, Meghan Markle's been on my mind this week, not just her hair. Because she's been on the sofa again, hasn't she, with Ellen DeGeneres? Yeah, it worked so well for them leaving the UK, didn't it, to escape all the publicity and to have a quiet private life? Well, they're certainly not embracing the quiet private life, are they? I'd love to live in a cottage in Windsor. Oprah? Yeah, I would and all. They haven't got any princes left for me. But it reminded me of a piece I wrote about Meghan... And this was in the Mail on Sunday, and apparently Meghan was quite cross about it. I'm sure she was. I'm sure she was. What date was this from, Nat? Oh, I don't know. Just 
Google Megan Banana and that's probably the, the, the Vice Squad will arrive. That's how, that's how I found it, Megan There'll Bananas. There'll be sirens. <laughs> February 2019. Right, this archive is from February 2019 and it's about Duchess Megan. I have an idea, the Duchess of Sussex announced ominously on Friday afternoon before asking for a marker pen as she helped pack food parcels for sex workers. Just imagine what went through the mind of Anna Smith, chief executive of the charity 125 in Bristol. Megan wasn't about to sign her an autograph, surely. No, that would be crass. This wasn't a Hollywood red carpet, but a kitchen in the deprived St Paul's district of Bristol. And oh dear God, what if the Duchess gets ink on her £1,500 Oscar de la Renta dress? Would the charity have to foot the bill? Never put a barrow near my handbag net. People who put barrows in handbags need to be in jail. You mean with the top off? That'd be even worse. Megan then asked to be handed bananas that were included in plastic carrier bags along with crisps and condoms. Was this a pregnancy craving? Was she about to eat the prostitute's picnic in search of potassium and carbs? Then she did something very strange indeed. On each banana, she carefully inked a self-help message, a pick-me-up, a validation, a handy mantra for women who probably don't own IKEA kitchens where they can hang up posters along the lines of keep calm and carry on. Each banana now bore the words, you are loved, you are strong, you are special, punctuated by a little heart. Oh, yeah. Megan got the idea from someone else. I saw this project this woman had started in the States, the Duchess explained. On each of the bananas, she wrote an affirmation to make the kids feel really, like, empowered. And children are a different issue, aren't they? You know, you might do one thing for children. Well, after this happened, Twitter was ablaze with emojis of hearts and flowers and praise along the lines of, love this. It's the small things that make such a huge difference. I don't know a better person. And she's such a mensch. Even normally sensible newspapers found the scribbles uplifting and aspirational. Apparently, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex had battled the snow to get to Bristol. (laughs) How brave they were, tucked up inside that chauffeur-driven limo. We can only be grateful that Megan didn't like Scribble. You don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. As we know, many women who become sex workers suffer from mental health issues. We can also thank the Lord Megan didn't feel the fear and do it anyway. I imagine terror is what races through these women's minds every time they get into a car with a man. But that's the problem with self-help mantras. Even the most well-intentioned can misfire because the scribbled on banana changes nothing. Not because it will soon turn brown, destined for landfill. Not because, well, do women on the streets in sub-zero temperatures actually want to eat a banana? It's the inclusion of one of their five-a-day a bit of politically correct virtue signaling when, in reality, each of these women's five-a-day has an altogether different, more shocking meaning. And should they even glance at the slogans, I'm sure the sex workers are intelligent and lucid enough to understand these platitudes are simply untrue. They're not strong. If they were, they would seek help to stop selling their bodies. They're not loved. If they were, by a man, by family, they would be given shelter, a job. They're not special. They know this every time they have sex with a man for money. It's a very American thing to do. Tell people lies that don't really work to sell books or a brand. 
People were encouraged to own their own failures back in the 90s. Life is a journey with bumps and setbacks, but it can be overcome if only you can achieve a better mindset. These sort of messages give the illusion we're in charge of our own destiny if only we pull our blasted socks up. The problem is, not everyone's life journey will work out. It won't always be okay. Sometimes women are victims. Sometimes women aren't powerful. We're people pleasers. We're shy. We're unconfident. We're fragile. No amount of positive thinking changes the fact a woman was abused as a child, beaten up by her husband, sat, raped or robbed. Words are easy which is part of the problem with Twitter. Outpourings make the writer feel better, but not anyone else. They don't change anything. Megan's childish daubings are what we women always say to each other when we've been dumped, fired or gained two stone. It's his loss. This will make you stronger. It's a new chapter. The extra pounds look good on you. It's the lazy friends shoring up of our egos that doesn't involve lifting a bloody finger. It's far harder to offer a bed for the night or write someone's CV, or pull in favours, or lend them money, or be a gym buddy. I'm sorry to bring up Diana, but she knew that holding someone's hand wasn't enough. She had to put her own life on the line, as she did when campaigning for landmines. What these women on the mean streets of Bristol need is practical help. Everything else is window dressing. Even retired footballers, not the most intelligent of beings, gave over an empty hotel to the homeless one winter. We know Megan has a big heart. She adopted a beagle. See, the thing this week is beagle. It is. It's the word of the week, beagle. Unfortunately, the women she's trying to reach with her messages on bananas are nowhere as cute and cuddly and easy to love. I'd have more admiration for her if she finished doing up the bloody cottage in Windsor Great Park and opened the doors as a refuge. That would show these women they are loved. That would show these women they are special. Yeah, I agree with that. I We have to do things that are practical. I'm all for positivity, but this business of you are loved, you, are, you have to feel that yourself. It's not someone telling you on a banana. But people need, you know, when I was being made bankrupt, I didn't want, well, you know, a girlfriend, she said, well, my friend was made bankrupt, but then she started her own company and bought a house and she, you know... I, I needed someone to lend me five quid. Yeah. And you also, I, mean? I think you have to honour the situation you're in or someone else is in at that time. I think you have to respect that. And actually, yes, it is really crap now. It's You know, life is difficult now. You know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but honour it, embrace it, and then practic- move forward. No, no one gave me practical help. Even my debt solutions advisor, she said, well, Liz, if you're made bankrupt, you're just going, you're just going to go and have to live under a stone. Well, well thanks. completely inappropriate. Yeah. It's completely inappropriate. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of solutions. You know, platitudes are great. A cup of tea and a bit of cake and listening to someone's problems is a great thing. But actually, what you need to do is come away from it, like I did from this reading, actually, with what can I do about this? This is how I feel. This is my situation. What actually, what steps can I take to improve it? And, yeah, I'm afraid it all fell a bit flat for me as well. And it is, that is true, really, that those women aren't as cuddly as a beagle. She'd take a beagle into her own home, but she wouldn't take one of these very, very difficult women. No. They're not easy to love. They're prickly. They probably have all different problems. They're not sweet and, you know, furry. That's like all of us, isn't it, really? I mean, we've all got our own problems. We've all got our own hang-ups. Whatever job we do, whatever our circumstances, at the end of the day, all of us, regardless of our circumstances, our job, whatever, 
if we have a problem, we need a practical solution. We need something tangible to be able to move forward. And I, I mean, I'm shocked. You know, in 2021, we've got so many people on the streets homeless. It's shocking. We have empty houses. We have hotels. It is absolutely unforgivable that we spend money on on absolute rubbish as you know as a government rubbish and we have got people sleeping on the street yeah it's just unacceptable unacceptable i mean having a home is the most fundamental thing and i sort of always took that for granted you know i'd owned a home for 35 years yeah i never thought that was going to end but it can happen to anyone and i did get a lot of abuse on twitter i wasn't going to talk about it um this week because i commented on a yet another interiors piece oh this sort of rich thin woman in her georgian house and oh i've restored the one in the countryside with my own bare hands but now i'm going back to london i'm going to restore that place too yeah because you're married to a banker so i posted a comment saying oh bugger off you know these interiors pieces with these rich skeletal women standing in their beautiful houses with all their works of art it's all because they're married to a rich man and i said these pieces are as harmful as skinny women in fashion on the cover of vogue they can make you just as unhappy with your life yeah you believe oh well why aren't i living in a georgian house with with a rich husband and and then why why can't i just move back to it's not as they make it seem so easy and i wanted to just sort of Open her cupboards and then you'd see all the mess she shoved in there. You know, no one lives like no. that. We know so I was making what I thought was a very com- yeah. valid comment saying, don't believe these interiors pieces. Her house isn't that tidy. She had a quick clean-up. And the stylist came round and put flowers in because that's what they did with of me, course, didn't yeah. they? They all arrived with flowers and throws and extra cushions. Well, they and... take over your house, don't yeah. they? You li- they literally, um, a team comes and in. And then I got this one woman... She attacked me all Sunday and I said, thanks very much for ruining my weekend. She said, well, if only you paid your taxes, you wouldn't have lost your house, Liz Jones. Because you did. I did pay my taxes, actually. I sold my house to pay my taxes. I paid £3,000 a month to an accountant for nothing. And I paid interest. I paid penalties. And they assign you lawyers. You don't even know you've got to pay. You have to be rich to be made back. Mm. They assign you a lawyer. And I remember I was at the top of the shard being interviewed by the editor of The Sun for a new column, which was worth £8,000 a month, but I wasn't allowed to take it. And in the middle of the interview, the editor of a national paper, Sonal, the lawyer, rang me up and said, unless you send me £2,000, I won't defend you against HMRC and you will be made bankrupt today. It's interesting that I think someone that's going through the bankruptcy process has got £2,000 to just send. Look at what I had to spend. Yeah, it's And I had to go to a meeting on the south coast with the people from HMRC who had all got the wrong end of the stick because they saw me in the media and they thought I just went to Paris for my own volition. I actually went there for work. And they don't like women who've got a nice house and a nice job. They're very, very sexist. So they didn't like a successful woman. They wanted to drag me down. And I had to take my debt solutions person and the person from the lawyer's office with me and I had to pay all... I, the bankrupt, had to pay all their train fares. Mm. I had to pay all their train fares to turn up. Yeah. I think the trouble is, is people know half of the story 
and then they build in the rest of the story themselves and they they completely colour the picture. It's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as not paying your taxes. It's about losing your job. It's about being betrayed by family members. It's about having a stalker next door so you've got to sell your house. There's lots of reasons. Yeah. But the way this woman, I, you know how upset I was on you Sunday, was, yeah, don't you? Know? Very upset, yeah, yeah. So I text Nick and I say, "Why aren't you sticking up for me?" And I have no idea whatsoever what she's talking about at all. But never but, mind. We're moving but, on. Should we but, talk about some nice supportive people? But, but though, but, but though, you can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You Magazine. Should we talk about some nice supportive people? Are there any? Yes, there are. You've got lovely listeners and lovely readers. Let's concentrate on them and put your energy into something positive. We have Leslie, who says, Dear Liz and Nick, I'm not ashamed to say I'm addicted to your podcast. Don't be ashamed. Broadcast it. I can't even wait for Liz's column on Sunday. I'm even listening to it on a Friday evening. I love the way you two spin off of each other. We occasionally rip each other's throats out. <laughs> Liz, your honesty and sense of humour is so refreshing. Don't listen to all the negative, spiteful tweets. Stalker, indeed. How ridiculous. Most men of a certain age will be flattered to know an award-winning, she says award-winning, columnist Googled them. After all, not many men would say they've been Googled by a goddess. Yeah, you're very lucky, you film star, you. She's your new favourite, isn't she? She's your new favourite. And we also have Leanne, who says, You say things others wish they would. I would love to have you as a friend. Laughing hysterically at nothing. There is a vacancy, Leanne. There is a vacancy. Well, lots of vacancies. (laughs) Drinking wine, so there you go, and petting lovely dogs. She says, I've also got an eating disorder and it's no fun trying to explain to idiots that it's not vanity, it's exhausting. So that's a really good point, isn't it? You know, there's this real assumption about eating disorders coming from what you look like as opposed to anything else. No, you look awful. Thanks. No, not you, oh. but when you have it, you know, like when you're on a exit, you're not attractive, are you? I thought you were saying to me, you look awful. <laughs> but what's the other news you want to tell everyone? The other news, we're very excited this week. We're celebrating this week. I even had a glass of champagne last night, didn't I? No, Which what I is never the do. news? You're going to say something about Boris again? No, Go no, on, no. Eight and a Half Stone is now available as an audiobook on Amazon and Audible. That's my first novel, and I'm narrating it, mainly because we couldn't afford to hire someone, but I'm not singing. She's not singing. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.